Welcome to Crossbridge. We are one church in many locations. I want to welcome those in Peru, those in Morris, and uh, every one of our folks who are tuning in online. My name is Kevin, and I'm the lead pastor, and it sure is a privilege um, most weeks that I get to share with you. So um, I, our pastors, I think the last several weeks, have done a tremendous job uh, as we have went through this series, Explore God. Hey, before we even get to the series, though, I want to take one moment, and um, I just want to give you a little update. Many of you are familiar with Pastor Tricia uh, Jackson, who serves on our staff. And uh, Pastor Tricia's been in a battle with cancer um, for uh, quite a while now. And um, we have kind of uh, prayed for her and walked with her. And I just wanted to bring you a, a small update uh, this weekend, which would be this, that uh, she, she's just at a difficult place. And she had another tumor, which was in her leg, and uh, which has basically taken out most of her femur. And um, we need to continue to pray for her. We need to pray for her that that bone uh, begins to grow back. Uh, currently, she's not able to put weight on it. And, um, and two, just pray for her husband, Joe, and her kids. Um, a difficult time, and what I want her to know is her Crossbridge family loves her and uh, that we are supporting and praying for her. So before we go any further, let's pray. Father, thank you. I thank you for Pastor Tricia. Thank you for our online folks and for the ministry that she leads. And we just pray that you would continue to be with her, uh, be with Joe, be with the kids. I just pray that you'd surround that family with your love and that you would continue to touch Tricia. Uh, touch her, Lord, like only you can. Get her the best help. And uh, Lord, we commit her care to you. We know you love her even more than we do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this series, I hope that you've enjoyed it. And uh, I've personally enjoyed it. I've, I've loved walking through it. And, and this is the last week of our Explore God series. And we're dealing with the question, um, can I know God personally? Can I know God personally? It's one thing to believe in God, right? That this higher being, this creator, it's even, um, as Pastor John talked about a couple weeks ago, it's, it's, it's another thing to, to look at Jesus and believe that he is the son of God, um, that he is savior, right? And, um, and so that was a, a major discussion. But this week, we're gonna dig into the idea of can this God who is creator of everything can we know him personally? See, um, I think for many of us, you may be at a place, maybe there's people who say, hey, yeah, sure, maybe, maybe there's a God. But even if it's true, can, like, can I sit with him like at Culver's and have a sweet tea like I would sit with you know, someone else? And I think that's a really good question. And some of you are like, no, you, you, you can't sit with him at Culver's, right? And some of you would disagree, and you'd say, yes, you can sit with him at Culver's. Um, I do believe this. Uh, so as I talk to you about this, my take is you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, I, I think for many of us, it takes a while to get there, but you can have it. Many of us have been brought up in a way in which we, we never thought it would be possible. We've heard of a God that never sounded personal. But I want to tell you from personal experience, even my own self and how I interpret scripture, I believe you can. In fact, um, here, here's what I'd say. Many years, my understanding of God was uh, not, not good or what I would say healthy. In fact, um, there were oftentimes, the thing about God, uh, I would evaluate my relationship upon how I perceived 
he was looking at me. What I mean by that, um, there were times when I would try to do all the right things or I'd try to do good things in hopes that he would look at me in good light and he would love me. There were times where I would try to stop doing the wrong things and I'd try to cut things out of my life so that I felt like he would look at me in good standing and he would love me. Uh, when you think about personal relationships, I think we, we tend to think of them in the same way. In fact, there are, um, how many of you are married? Okay, many. Um, one of the things I would say about marriage, or take that to another degree, maybe it's, it's friendships, it's, it can be any relationship really, that there are times where we drop the ball in relationships. There are times at home I know I drop the ball. I get too busy. I get too focused on work. I'm gone too much. There's too many evenings out. Whatever it may be. And uh, I, I drop the ball. And, and I can walk in the house and I can almost, sometimes I can tell. Like I just have this feeling and I'm like, yeah, man, I have been absent with a capital A. Right? And so, um, it, it, but it's also, it's interesting um, and I'll, I mean, I'll admit it because Rachel's not going to listen to this. She's not in the room. And so, uh, but there are times, I mean, I've, I've really dropped the ball. Like, like many of you don't act like you haven't. Um, but, but here's what I would also say. There's times when I notice, like I'll get home and I've been gone for, you know, multiple nights or whatever it may be. And I get home and I'll think to myself, okay, like I'm going to go do the dishes. Uh, I'm going to clean the floor. I'm going to do this, whatever, because I know those things, like Rachel loves a clean house and I'll begin to do the things. I don't, I don't clean the floor because I love to clean floors. I, you know, when I come in the house, my first thing is not, huh, is the dishwasher full? Um, But there are times where I do those things because I know they matter great to great, like greatly to Rachel. And I want to be in good standing with Rachel. And so I do them, Right. I think we would do that in, in a variety of relations. My son does it. My son does it all the time. In fact, um, there's, there's many times my son will come to me and say, hey, Dad, um, do, you, do you need any help with that? Well, I, I know my son really, really well. And the moment he does that, I'm like, okay, why? Like, I'll take his temperature, number one. Number two, like, why is he doing that? He's either getting ready to ask me something and he wants to butter me up beforehand to make sure we're in, you know, good standing. Or he's getting ready to tell me something he's already done and he wants to make sure we're in good standing. But I, I question when he comes to me and he says, how can I help? Here's, here's what's wrong with that picture. Here's what's wrong with that picture in the midst of our relationship with God. God's love towards us, hear this, this is really, really important. God's love towards us doesn't ever, ever change. It never changes. According to what you do, or according to what you don't do. It never changes. Now, sometimes our behavior can separate us, right, from God. And, and sometimes I think God is disappointed absolutely with what we do or what we don't do. But listen to this. His love never, ever changes for you. You know, um, Titus 3 says this, he saved us not because of the righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, 
He made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. You know, um, there was a, a quote that I saw this week. It's a little longer, but I want to read it to you. It says, people from nearly every religion known to man have tried to know God by living a lifestyle separated from the world and denying themselves various comforts. For thousands of years, religions like Hinduism and Buddhism and have practiced physical, mental, spiritual forms of meditation to pursue knowledge of God. Others, including many Jews, Muslims, and Christians, have sought to know God through strict adherence to religious rules and rituals, believing they could earn God's favor by distinguishing themselves from the masses through religious practice. Could it be, though, that despite man's best attempts, the keys to knowing God have nothing to do with being religious? Maybe God's desire is not for us to follow rules or perform rituals, but simply to pursue a relationship with him. Here's what I want you to think about. This, this is, um, when I think about the Bible, which I'm going to tell you about in a minute, and I, I think about my view of God, here, here, here's, here's what I tell you. You were made for a relationship. I was made for a relationship. You were made for a relationship. We all were made for a relationship. I saw it like this. Um, God loved. God gave. We believe. We receive. God loved. God gave in regards to giving a son. We believe. God giving a son for us, right? We believe. We receive. We receive relationship. We receive eternal life. John 1.12 puts it this way, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. I love that verse because basically it is saying you can believe in God and you can receive him and it gives you the right not just to all of a sudden like somehow be loosely connected to God, but you can actually be like in this family type of relationship where you are his children. I think even the fact that we're called his children is, is very much a um, strong indicator that what God desires for us is that we would have real relationship. I think sometimes we emphasize um, religion over relationship. I think many of us were brought up that way that we've either focused on knowing a bunch of stuff or we've focused on doing all like the, the, the right good things or we've focused on doing like not doing all the wrong slash bad things. But here's what I see throughout the Bible. The Bible is all about relationships. I was listening to one of my favorite speakers this last, um, this last week uh, and, and here's one of the things that I, I picked up on. He, he was talking about this big picture of the Bible. You look at Adam and Eve. And what Adam and Eve, uh, this picture of Adam and Eve in the garden in the very beginning of the Bible, it talks about that God walked with them in the garden. Now, I I love that imagery. Like when I'm telling you, like, can can Jesus have a cup of sweet tea with me, right? This, This is the picture that God walked with them. He walked with them in the garden. You look at Abraham just a little bit further into the Bible. And Abraham calls, calls um, or the Bible says, he was a friend of God. Sounds like relationship to me. That um, was called a friend. Moses went to the mountaintop to talk with God. And at one point said, man, don't send me to the promised land without you. I don't want, the, I don't want that land. I don't want anything from you if you're not included 
if it's not about you. You think about David, powerful words. You know, I heard, I heard someone refer to David here uh, recently. Like David talks, when you read his scripture, he talks like an addict. When he talks about his relationship with God, Psalm 63 says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Oh, how I praise you. It's this picture that David says, all that I want, all that I want is to know you and be in relationship with you. And then you you go to the New Testament and a lot of the New Testament is written by a man named Paul. And Paul actually puts it in this very simple yet easy way to get. He says, to live is Christ, to die is, in my terms, is awesome. To die is gain. What he's saying is, like, to be with Jesus is the end goal. To have relationship with him is what it is all about. See, we were made to worship, I believe it, and God wanted our worship with him to be the center, the center of everything the center of our world. He wanted to be the center of our worship. Whether or not we believe in God, humans are by nature worshipers. Many of you, maybe you don't believe in God, but I I bet you'll believe in that. See, we all choose something as the object of our ultimate devotion. It may be a loved one. It might be a band. It might be a sports team. It might be a job. It might be Tom Brady. Oh, brother, right? Another one. Or even ourselves, But each of us select objects of worship and focus. In fact, our time, our money, our energy. Like you want to know what you worship, just look at where you spend all of your time, look at where you spend your money, and look where you spend your energy. And you may not like to think of it that way, but it's what captures your heart. I've seen this in my life. I'm, I'm made to worship. The problem is I'm tempted to worship lots of things. I'm a very driven individual. And sometimes I get overly focused in the wrong direction. There's been times in my life where I'm way too overly functioned. Even though this is, this is a great job, and, and I feel like my job is, can, can get muddy because it, it is connected to my relationship with God. But there are times when the job of doing church it like, it becomes too much. And it's too much the center of what I'm doing versus, because see, here's the deal. You may say, well, Kevin, that's a great thing. It's still not him. It's still not my personal relationship with him. And if my work trumps my, my, becomes the center, like the most pivotal thing, and he takes second, my worship is out of balance. I think sometimes for me, it's been um, hobbies, Oh, you know, there's been times in my life, there was a time in my life where softball was way too big in my life. I remember um, my first year of marriage and, you know, I would love to tell you it was just like, it was glorious and angels sang and heaven opened up and our first year was incredible. Our first year was awful. And she would tell you even it was more awful than what I would say. And part of why it was awful, like I'm just going to own it because I did not know how to do it. I, I did not know what marriage, I, I just was completely mixed up. See, I thought, I thought I could play 
Um, I could work all the time and I could play softball the moment I got done with work till like, you know, late in the hours. And then if I did have any free time, I could play some golf too. And I thought, you know, as long as she comes and watches, she's going to be happy. And uh, oh, was I so mixed up. In fact, I, I remember we, we came home from our honeymoon. This should, this should tell you how, how messed up my thinking was. We came home from our, our honeymoon and uh, we had a great time, but I couldn't wait to get back. And I couldn't wait to get back because I had a huge softball tournament that was waiting on me, Memorial Day weekend. And, um, and that softball tournament, it had started raining, and I was actually in charge of it. So the moment we got back, like we got back to the apartment, I, I changed my clothes, I put on like some old shoes, and I went out to the field, and I started working on it because the tournament started the next morning. And I don't remember what time I came home that night, but let me tell you something. Like that story, like it took me, it took me a long time to recover from that story in regards to my marriage because I started it all wrong. Um, I, I think so many times I've looked at my life and thought, hey, like, let's get it back. Let's adjust things, right? Let's, let's get back the way it needs to be. Let's, I think there's so many times where Jesus tries to get my attention and I think Jesus tries to get your attention and he says, time out. Everything is out of whack. Am I the center of your worship? Is your relationship with me still number one? See, um, throughout the years, as much as I love like my work and my hobbies and learning new things, and when they're the center of the stage, everything is off. When our worship with Jesus takes second to anything, we have some serious adjusting to be done. The greatest commandment is this, uh, Matthew 22, teacher, which... Which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Now, Matthew chapter seven is another verse that I just wanna highlight because as I was preparing for this week, I thought, this gets it, right? This, this is significant. It says this, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name performed many miracles in your name. Now, all those, don't they sound incredible? Like if you were going around and, and you were doing miracles in Jesus' name, I mean, you would think, right? Like God would be so pleased with you. But the scripture goes on to say, but I will reply, I never knew you. There's a significant hint in the bluntness of that passage. It is not about what you do that Jesus' love for you is not contingent upon what you do. Now, I will say this. When you receive his love, it should. It should cause something inside of you to say, hey, he loves me and I want to love him in return. Therefore, I want to live my life for him. I want to live my life for him and I want to live my life connected to him and I want to live a life honoring to him. But his love for you, back to what I said in the very beginning of this, his love for you does not change ever. But I also believe this, the enemy will do everything he can to distract you. He will do everything he can to try to get you to see God as one who is distant and not near. God who is one, maybe even he might settle for the fact of maybe you do believe that God created everything, but you will not go so far as to believe you can have a personal relationship with him. And I'll tell you, like, I think according to scripture, that means we, we could miss the whole big picture 
The big picture is not believing that just there is a God. The big picture is believing that there is a God who sent his son to die on your behalf so you could know him personally, so you could call him friend, so you could walk with him, so you could talk with him, so you could worship him. So that no matter where you find yourself, you could say, God, I'm having a great day today. Or God, I'm having an absolutely terrible day today. God, I need you to help me with my boss today. Whatever it may be, that, that you could just talk with him and walk with him. Which, which really where, is where I want us to, to finish. It's, it's this idea of, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And is that relationship current? I think oftentimes when we speak of Jesus, that sometimes we speak of him and we speak of this life that he lived and we look at the gospels, right? And because they tell us the life that he lived, but we tend to think of it like 2000 years ago. We tend to speak more of, sometimes what I hear is people speaking more of historical Jesus and all the things he did versus the current reality of Jesus in your life and what he is doing. And I think that Jesus doesn't want to just be like, you know, so honored and on display and remembered for what he did here, way back here. I think he also wants to be known for what he's doing now and that you would worship him and give him praise for everything that's happening in your life. John sixteen seven says this, but I tell you, I'm gonna do what is best for you. This is why I'm going away. This is, this is Jesus. I'm going away. The Holy Spirit cannot come to help you until I leave. But after I'm gone, I'll send the Spirit to you. It's, it's interesting, right? I, as, he, as he talks about this, that Jesus is going away. He's going back to be with the Father. But he's going to send the Spirit, the Spirit who will remind us of all things, who will be present with us, like God's present with us. And, and, and this idea that we can have continual relationship that we're that we're that we're connected to God at all times that we were given this gift that we didn't that we don't have to wait till the end of life to be in God's presence but that God's presence came to be near us galatians 5 says it this way since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit see when i picture that right i i picture like God and us like hand in hand like walking in step. I take a step, he takes a step, right? That we step together. Now there's sometimes when he's taking steps and I'm dragging my feet, uh, I'll admit it. But I think the idea would be that we would be in step with him, that we would walk with him, that we would be friends with him, that there would be this sense of we are not living life alone, but that God is very, very near and present. A silly story, but um, in fact, I hate to even admit it, but it, it, it works, I think, in this message was um, this last week, I, I went to Culver's, imagine that, and um, I, I just, I didn't go to get food, I just went to get a drink. And so um, I got, I pulled in the drive-thru, and I said, hey, I'll take a large sweet tea, um, you know, they said, okay, pulled to the window, I, I pull up to the window, well, I was having a conversation on my phone uh, in the car, right? Um, with with someone, um, okay, it was Pastor John. We were talking about church stuff, right? And I was so into this conversation that I got to the window. Um, I truthfully, I don't even remember any of this, but I, I'm I sure the, the window opened. The lady was like, hey, like it's X amount of dollars, right? 
And so I handed her my card. Uh, she hands it back. I put it in my wallet. I'm talking to John. I'm so focused, right? I, like I said, I don't remember any of that. And, and so then I drive off. And uh, as I drive off, I, I go around the corner of Culver's and uh, I'm thinking, man, I'm thirsty. And, and I reach down to get my sweet tea and it's not there. I'm like, what, what did I do with the sweet tea? And, and I realized, like, I, I paid. I put the card in the wallet. I was talking to John and I didn't even get the tea. I, I, just, I just drove off without it. So I circle back around. There's a long line. So I cut in the line. I found a little gap. I cut in there. And, and they're, they're laughing, right? And, and the truth is, when I pulled up to the window, and she's like, yes, you forgot your sweet tea. It was like I was seeing her for the first time. I didn't remember handing her the card. I didn't remember her face. And in part, I, I was embarrassed. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that happens. But I do know how it happens. Like I got so distracted that I, I couldn't even recognize this person, this real live relationship in front of me. I think if we're not careful, we can show up at churches, we can go through routines, we can do all the right things, we can stop doing all the right things, that we can be so active like in religion that we can have so many different things going on. At the end of the day, we feel good about what we're doing and we're going through everything. And, and yet, when we come to that moment, probably a moment where we're thirsting and we're hungering for God, and we go to reach for um, this relationship, we discover that we've settled for a whole lot of other things, but relationship is something that we've never really discovered. My word to you would be this. Listen, don't settle for the facade of what religion looks like. Don't settle for just saying, I want to try to live right and I'm going to try not to live wrong. Or I, I want to try to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to um, show up at all the right places and I'm going to try to make all the right patterns and all the right disciplines. And I mean, listen, don't miss it. In the midst of the activity of pursuing God, we can miss this Jesus who is right in front of us who says, man, would you just focus on me because I am the only one who can quench your true thirst. Church by itself, serving by itself, doing the right things by themselves, not doing the wrong things by themselves, they will not ever, they'll never fill the void in your life. You were created for relationship. Just as Adam and Eve and Moses and Abraham and David, you were created for relationship. And until you discover it and still until you say yes, you will always have a void. My encouragement would be to you is, did God create all of this? I believe that he did. I believe our God is so big you could never wrap your head around him. But I also believe this, that God wants to come so near that you'd never walk a day without him. That you could talk to him at any moment. That you could reach out and you can connect with him at any given moment. Because he loves you so much, he wants to be connected to you. I think this message provides a great opportunity for us to try to reconnect with him. Father, thank you. I pray that you would help us just to look at all the activity in our lives and that we would evaluate, that we would be honest about our worship with you. 
God, do we recognize you as God and everything around us? And, and, and even, Lord, are we so caught up in the activities of you, but we've neglected our relationship with you? God, I pray maybe there's people who've never discovered a real relationship with you. Lord, they're designed for this. I pray not only would they discover it today, but you would change their life. May you love them so much that they can't even comprehend it. And may they be overwhelmed with the grace that you've extended them. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.